3: Welcome back to The Fighter versus The Rider. I'm your host, as always, Damon Martin, and we are back for the attack after another UFC event last weekend. We actually don't have a UFC event coming up this weekend, but we will have an interview coming up in just a few moments with one of the fighters who will headline the next UFC card on October 1st. Mackenzie Dern is going to join me on the show today. I'm also going to have a special chat with uh, the Platinum One himself. First time on the podcast, I believe. Interviewed him before, but never actually had him on the podcast. Mike Perry is going to come on and uh, talk about a fight that he hopes to land in Bare Knuckle Fighting Championships. You probably have an idea already. There's been some buzz around it already, but I want to talk to Mike Perry about this. Uh, Of course, this past weekend, the UFC event took place uh, in Las Vegas. uh, The Apex, Corey Sanhagen picked up a big win over Song Yadong got him back on track after a couple losses in a row. Although technically just one loss in a row to Peter Yan, I refuse to acknowledge that he lost to TJ Dillashaw. He won that fight. Um, close fight, good fight. Corey won. Uh, it was a good fight. Uh, Corey looked good. I thought Song Yadong made a very strong showing for himself. I think Song proved uh, he's legitimately worth you know looking at in the top five of the uh, the division. You know where he's at right now, but uh. The cut stopped the fight, and rightly so. That cut was unbelievably bad, and that was one fight after Gregory Rodriguez had his head split into from uh, from a knee that he that he got hit with early in his fight, and then he ends up winning, uh, kind of going balls to the wall in the second round to get to finish after realizing that um, that you know there's a good chance his fight would get stopped as well. I posted all those photos over on Twitter. Uh, they actually got flagged on Instagram. Uh, but they got uh, they got through on Twitter, and uh, they're rather they're rather gross. Not gonna lie, uh, I don't I don't really get freaked out by blood, and I don't really get freaked out by those kind of images. I'm a horror movie fan, so like you know that's nothing for me. Uh, but yeah, it's it's pretty gruesome, especially that it's real life. But the one on Song Yudong, you know, it was bad, and then it got cut open worse. And I know he said on Twitter, you know, he couldn't see and, you know, you can't go on like that. I mean, it was a great fight. He made an incredible showing for himself and he should be proud. Uh, I hope he does get a big matchup for his next fight. I know that was kind of his chance to get a step up in competition and get a higher ranked opponent. But I hope somebody else around that, you know, area in the featherweight division will uh, or in the bantamweight division. Excuse me. will take a fight with him Uh, coming off that Corey Sandhagen fight. As far as Corey goes. Yeah, back on track. You know, we had him on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. This is kind of what he wanted. He wanted to get back in the hunt. Um, he's back there now. <clears throat> I know he mentioned the possibility of fighting either Murad Walishvili or. Uh, Cheeto Vera, I said on Saturday night. I think the Cheeto Vera fight is the one that makes the most sense. Cheeto's coming off the big win, big knockout win over Dominic Cruz. Uh, I think Cheeto could you know still use another signature win uh, to get a title shot. Uh, you know, and and also timing. You know, we got Aljamain Sterling and TJ Dillashaw fighting coming up in October. You doubt the winner that's going to go again before March or April of next year unless something wild happens. Um, so, you know, that would keep one of those guys busy for, you know, for the rest of the year, you know, maybe book, uh, Corey and, Cheeto and, in, you know, uh, December, January area, depending on how quickly they can put it together. The only downside of that is, is, of course you do, you know, if Cheeto loses, you lose a bit of a contender, uh, who is still in there. And of course the, 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 what we're dealing with, with Murab right now is Murab is not going to fight Aljamain. We know that, uh, I'm okay with that. Um, I've said, you know, you know, titles and money change things. So I'll never say never as much as I respect them for having that stance. And I'm not going to bring it up and say, will you fight each other? Because I know the answer and I respect them, you know, being friends and teammates enough not to want to go there. But we've seen this before in the sport, whether we want to acknowledge it or not, you know, we've seen lots of people say, I'll never fight my friend. I'll never fight my teammate. And then a title goes on the line and a boatload of cash. And suddenly they're, they're willing to fight their teammate. Now, I, you know, in a weird way, I, you know, as much as like Marab, you know, de- probably deserves a title shot right now, uh, I respect the hell out of him for having a stance and saying, I'll never fight my friend. I'll never fight my, my teammate, my brother, Algernon Sterling. I appreciate that. I do. There's a certain level of loyalty in that, even if it's coming at his own detriment to a certain extent. Um, but I think you got to wait till October plays out because if TJ Dillashaw wins, and it's a lopsided fight, or he knocks him out, or submits him, or something like that. Then you do you plug Morab right away. Morab against TJ is a good fight. Morab's coming off a win over Jose Aldo. I'll get to Jose Aldo in just a second. Um, you know he's he's there. If if Aljamain wins, then you know you're in a bit of a you know a stickier situation with a guy like Morab. But you know, of course, Peter Yan is fighting Sean O'Malley. The winner of that could get Morab. That would be a big fight. I mean. Peter Yan and, and Murab already have some bad blood dating back to the Aljamain-Sterling rivalry, uh, so I think that would make a lot of sense. Sean O'Malley, if he beats Peter Yan, of course, you know, I don't think anyone's going to be shocked if the UFC would rush him into a title shot. He's a star, big draw, and if he beats Peter Yan, I mean, he would legitimately deserve it. I mean, Peter Yan is as good as they come. He was one round away from still being champion right now, so... um yeah, so th- there's a lot of options, but I think Cheeto and, and, and Sanhagen makes the most sense because when you break it down like that, you talk about Murab, you talk about... And don't forget, we got Henry Cejudo coming back as well. I mean, that's the guy who was the champ. He never lost the belt. I mean, you can't discount him. I mean, maybe he fights Murab. That would be interesting. Murab's got that wrestling background. Of course, Cejudo's a gold medalist. That would be an interesting fight. So lots of options of Bantamweight, and and be honest, none of them are bad. Bantamweight is so good right now. None of them are bad. Um, real quick, before I get to our first interview, I did want to mention the Jose Aldo situation. Of course, he uh, he officially retired. Kind of a weird timing of it. He retires on a Sunday with no real fanfare, still hasn't really made a statement about it, uh, basically just asked for his release with one fight remaining on his UFC contract. The UFC granted him that. Uh, he's retired. He may still do a boxing match or something, but as far as his mixed martial arts career, it looks like that's done and behind him. You know, I had a chance to reflect on this a little bit yesterday when the news broke, uh, and I posted a photo, if you see it over on my Twitter and my Instagram, a photo I took ahead of UFC 123 in Detroit. And they brought Jose Aldo out there to crown him the first official UFC featherweight champion. He had just beaten, I believe it was Uriah Faber in WEC, and that was the last event, the last WEC event, and then everyone was coming over to UFC, So rather than have him fight, quote unquote, for a featherweight title, they just crowned him featherweight champion, which was, you know, 100% the way to go. Uh, but I remember that moment. It was so cool uh, being inside the octagon. One of the only times I've ever actually stepped inside the actual octagon. Um, but, yeah, it was cool. And, and listen, Jose Aldo is not only one of the greatest fighters in mixed martial arts history. He's a class act. He was always an incredibly nice guy. I remember a couple times interviewing him. You know, he—I mean, he's—you know—go. He speaks Portuguese. He doesn't speak English, so he's always had a translator. You know, doing interviews, but you could not meet a nicer guy. Kind and and always gracious with his time. Uh, just again, incredibly nice guy. And uh, when it comes to his legacy, I mean, listen—that's cemented forever. I mean, I've gone back and forth on the whole debate, which again, it's just a subjective thing about who is the quote-unquote greatest featherweight of all time. You know, there was a time when I said I thought it was Max Holloway. You go out there and beat Jose Aldo convincingly twice and you do what else Max was doing at the time. I thought, man, this is going to be tough to discount Max. And then, you know, Alexander Volkanovsky's got an argument. He has a win over Aldo. He has, you know, a couple wins over Max Holloway, a few wins over Max Holloway. Now, and the last one, most convincing of all, he hasn't been beaten in the UFC, you know, barely had rounds lost in the UFC, has looked just incredible. Now he's talking about becoming a two-division champion you know, Volkanovsky's in that conversation, you know, and, and, you know, it's a, it's a bit more of a flash in the pan because he was there and gone pretty quickly, but you can't, you can't just discount Conor McGregor, at least in the conversation. I'm not saying he is, I'm not, I, I wouldn't put him at the top, but to go through and do what he did in such a rapid fire fashion. And then, you know, beating Jose Aldo in 16 seconds. And I was at that fight. I'll never forget the just the weird hushed silence. And then the explosion of people being like, what, just happened. And then, you know, of course, Conor McGregor won by knockout. So um, Conor's in the conversation. I don't put him at the top, but he's in the conversation. But when you really break it down, you think about longevity, you think about title defenses, you think about performances and, and, and consistency. Uh, it's got to be Jose Aldo. Listen, I've, I've, I've waffled on this before, and I'm not going to lie and say I haven't. But I, I think, and it's not just because he retired. It's just when you look at the entire body of work, And the longevity and the title defenses in particular, you know, Jose Aldo's got to be at the top, in my opinion. He is the number one featherweight of all time. Volkanovski probably has the best opportunity to beat him. He's already gotten through Max Holloway, which I think a lot of people, myself included, would argue he is the other best featherweight in the world right now. Um, You know, I I definitely think, you know, there's a warranted to get more title defenses under his belt. I mean, he has the fights with Max. He has the fight with Brian Ortega. You know, he's going out there. And listen, I understand that, You know, he wants to talk about the second title, and I'm completely okay with that. I have no problem if he wants to go to lightweight and challenge, you know, Oliveira, Islam, Benil Darius, you know, down the road, guys like that. That's fine. But I think there's still work to be done at Featherweight. I mean, you know, Josh Emmett has looked good. He's coming off a big one over Calvin Cater. I think you got to put him in that conversation. Arnold Allen has a big fight coming up with Calvin Cater. He's undefeated in the UFC. You know, if he can stay healthy, I think that's a name you got to throw out there as well. So I think Volkanovsky's still got some work to do um, as great as he has been. I think he's still got a little bit of work to do for, to, to end up in that greatest of all time debate. And I think a big part of that is because he got wrapped up so much in that Max Holloway trilogy that he couldn't really get other defenses in there besides the Ortega fight. He, he, he just I think he just needs to move on to other challenges. Um, and, you know, guys like Josh Emmett are out there for, to, for him to challenge. But Um, yeah, it's Aldo. Aldo's the greatest. And yeah, I've been fortunate enough, you know, I don't really travel to events much anymore, but I have traveled to a ton of events in my day. And I've been, you know, I've been at a lot of Jose Aldo fights. I was at his fight with, uh, Kenny Florian. I was at his title defense with Mark Hominick. I was at the Conor McGregor fight, of course, but I've been a lot of other ones as well. And again, you know, Jose is exactly what he is, man. He's the King of Rio. Um, he's an incredible ambassador for the sport. Uh, As I said, and I know that, you know, listen, accomplishments in the cage, you know, we don't really need even, I mean, we we do need to talk about it, but we don't even really need to talk about it because you look at his resume, you look at all the things he did and then doing it at a second weight class where a lot of people, myself included, didn't think he could do it because I was convinced it was going to be too much of a weight cut. I mean, he was not the smallest featherweight in the world. So for him to go down to 135, I was like, oh my God, this guy's going to be emaciated. And he looked fantastic. Had that battle with Marlon Moraes right out of the gate. Uh, you know, goes out there. Of course he has the loss to Peter Yan, no shame in that, but then goes on a great win streak. And, you know, it's a, it's a little disappointing that the end of the road comes, you know, with a, a basically a decision loss in Salt Lake City to Morab. There's no shame in losing to Morab, of course, but it's just a weird set of circumstances. I think all of us would like to see Aldo go out with one last fight. I thought Aldo and Dominic Cruz made all the sense in the world, you know, put that fight on. Early 2023, a pair of legends, you know, both guys, you know, one guy is obviously retired. The other guy seems like he will be nearing that. I I, I don't imagine Dominic Cruz is going to stick around for more than a couple more years. If that, I mean, he's got other options. He's got commentary things he's doing and, you know, he's getting up there and I don't know how much damage he wants to continue to put on his body, a body that's already been just abused over the years in terms of surgeries and things like that. So I thought Aldo and Dominic Cruz was the fight to make. And I thought, what a great way for either one of those guys to go out uh, with that kind of a fight. Uh, doesn't look like it's going to happen, although, you know, never say never. But as I said, fight career, the, the book's been written. Put him in the Hall of Fame. I hope the UFC does the right thing and just immediately inducts him next year. It would make all the sense in the world. But Again, I think there's part of the legacy with Jose Aldo is what he has done or what, what kind of a person he's been outside the cage. And, and he really is genuinely, a, a, seems like a good dude. I don't know him that well personally. I just know from interviews and being around him, and he's always been nothing but gracious and kind. Um, I think we actually saw you know, probably the worst get brought out of him in that Conor McGregor rivalry because Conor made things so personal It got kind of ugly. And that's just not who Jose Aldo is. Jose Aldo's never been that guy. He's a very intense fighter. Um, but he's never been that guy to, you know, feel the need to say bad things or, or say crazy things to get attention or, you know, get in his opponent's face outside of, you know, doing the old school, you know, uh, a Vanderlei style, you know, stare down where he just gets a really, you know, really intense stare down, but he's just not that guy. And I think the Connor fight kind of brought out the worst in him where he was kind of forced to be that guy, even though he's not that guy. Uh, but yeah, again, the legacy's written. It, it's amazing, um, and yeah, I mean, they made a doc, they made a freaking uh, bi- bio a biopic about this guy in Brazil. That's how famous he is. So yeah, first ballot Hall of Famer, put him in right away. A career that's untouched, uh, legacy that's untouched, unblemished. He's a legend of all legends. And, uh, again, I've come around and said, you know, listen, I've been, I have been I have short-sighted in the past talking about the greatest of all time debates, and that's what it is. It's a big debate. We're all guilty of being prisoner of the moment when, you know, you talk about a guy who just looks unbeatable like a Max Holloway at the time, and then a guy like Alexander Volkanovsky comes along, and now you say, man, now you know Alexander Volkanovsky's the guy. But it's Jose Aldo. He is. The title defense is the longevity. It's Jose Aldo. And uh, if I'm the UFC, I just announce it tomorrow. He's going into the Hall of Fame class of 2023, and you just hope maybe he'll stick around and do the Dominic Cruz fight next year, which would be awesome. Um, All right. with that being said, let's get to our interviews this week. Let's get to our chats this week with a couple of fighters who joined me. Let's kick things off with a first-timer on the show, a guy who's never been on here before. He is uh, now 2-0 in his bare-knuckle career, and uh, he's looking for a fight. And it's always interesting to talk to him. So, Without further ado, let's talk to Platinum Mike Perry. He is the new king of bare-knuckle fighting, coming off a win over Michael Venom page, and I always like uh, talking to this guy, Mike Perry. Mike, how are you, sir? I'm doing
2: well, bro. I uh,
3: I like that mustache, by the way. I saw that in your Instagram stories. The, uh, the, 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 the general, I like it.
2: Yeah, I was feeling like, um, you know, uh, like a a military officer you know what I mean I don't know I'm growing up I'm a dad of two now gonna be and uh, I just feel like uh, I'm the fight games dad too I'm growing up
3: you're the you're the new daddest man on the planet as Daniel Cormier would say right the daddest man on the planet
2: yeah that's good I like it
3: Uh, congratulations on the uh, on the second child on the way by the way thank you man we're very excited Absolutely. So, I didn't have a chance to talk to you after the last fight. Let me go ahead and say congratulations on an amazing win over Michael Venom Page. Uh, Incredible fight going in that sixth round, man. I was watching. I was living and dying in every moment. What an incredible fight, and I just want to say congratulations on that. It was a phenomenal performance.
2: Thank you very much, sir. It was, um, you know, I love love what I do. I definitely love the fight, so I'm trying to bring the heat, and uh, we're trying— That's what we're here for today to talk about a big fight that the fans really would enjoy. Um, And, uh, you know, I think everyone already knows what fight that is.
3: Absolutely. So let's talk about it. Yesterday, Dave Feldman, BKFC president, he was asked about Nate Diaz. He's now a free agent. He's no longer under contract to the UFC. He says he wants to conquer all sports outside the UFC. That means kickboxing, boxing, bare knuckle, everything. Uh, and he wants to make a push to sign him. Now, we know that bare knuckle has signed big names and brought over big fights. And uh, so I think it's absolutely possible this could happen. Uh, and he said the dream fight would be... Mike Perry against Nate Diaz. Now, I'm not going to lie, Mike. That would be a dream fight for me, too. I would love to see that. So what was your reaction when you heard that news that, you know, they're going to make a push for it? And to be clear, this is a fight you wanted years ago in the UFC. You asked to fight Nate Diaz a couple years ago.
2: Well, um, my, my first initial reaction was, you know, I don't know if that's where he's going, uh, where his ideas are, because he said he wants to go take over other sports as far as he wants to be like the Dana White of an organization he or the David Feldman of an organization and run the show and um, show people how to do it but I mean I think he also said things where he still got a lot of gas left in the tank Um, he's still interested in some you know big fights in his career and And I think that's what it's about is if he wants to accept the challenge, challenge himself. Um, He loves to box. I know he likes jujitsu too. So I don't know if it's something that he would be fully interested in because, you know, without jujitsu against me and just boxing, um, I don't know if he sees himself having a chance against me in, in the bare knuckle boxing ring, but um, you know, it's, it's a lot of respect there for Nate Diaz. A lot of people, have fans, have said over the years that you know I am kind of like kin to the Diaz brothers, and um, that you know we have the same initial feelings towards fighting. That if we're fighting, it's a real fight, and you know all that friendly stuff. It doesn't have to be there until you know the victor is is chosen. And um, then we can talk about you know being cool, but um, I mean it's no animosity. He's a great competitor, and I I am as well. I'm an amazing competitor, and I I give my all to the fight. It's got my whole heart. I'm I love the sport of fighting, and in, in any organization, I mean I I love bare knuckle because it's so real, and um, I think it's a challenge that he could possibly be interested in if he started learning about bare knuckle boxing and um, seeing what it takes from you mentally and physically uh, as an athlete to compete in this sport.
3: Yeah, absolutely. It's funny you say that, Mike, because you're right. A lot of people kind of say that, you know, you, the reason why so many people compare you and and the Diaz brothers together is because we always talk about the realist of the real, right? Like you're a real dude. You know what I mean? Like, this is no joke to you. This is no, you know, it's not a sport. It's a fight. You treat every fight. Now, you can be totally respectful afterwards, and you've always done that in your career. But that's, I think, why this is so interesting. Because you and Nate Diaz, you know, in a way, you're cut from the same cloth. You are the realest of the real. um, And we know what we're going to get. There's no—we there's, know exactly what we're going to get when Mike Perry steps in that bare knuckle ring. And you kind of know that as well with Nate Diaz. I just think this is like a dream fight, right? Like, this will be a dream come true in terms of styles. And be honest, like, in terms of magnitude, like, there's not really a much bigger fight. I know we talked about the Jake Paul fight. We all talk about that. Jake's fighting Anderson Silva. I don't know if he makes it out that Anderson Silva fight. Uh, but, like, I, again, this is a massive fight.
2: I know he's trying to connect that fight with Jake Paul, as am I. I'm trying to get that fight with Jake Paul as well. Uh, don't know if he gets past Silva and um, if he'll be willing to fight after he fights Silva, who he'll be willing to fight if he loses that fight. Um, but, you know, me, I'm out here doing big things as far as, you know, I just fought MVP in his country and I got the win. Um, I traveled to the Dominican Republic as a coach and I fought with Alex the Spartan Nicholson and he's uh, he fought for a world championship for the second time over there. And now we're about to go to Russia and um, Alex is fighting again. I get to be his coach and corner again over in another country and he's fighting a 30-1 and heavyweight. Uh, for another world championship in Russia. And the whole fighting community knows what Russia means. You know, we're up against a bunch of Habibs. And um, they're they're very, you know, strict in the sport of martial arts. And, and even Nate Diaz knows what that means, that we're going to enemy territory in one of the most dangerous countries in the world to fight one of the most dangerous men in the world. And it's me and my bro versus everyone over there so i mean that just goes to show that we are the realest of the real and we're willing to compete and uh prove to the world that we're the best fighters out here so if you want to prove that to to anyone out there or yourself you know we're on a mission that's what we're doing i got the ali shirt we out here floating like butterflies singing like bees and i'm platinum perry and you know what time it is I, I'll fight anyone, anytime, anywhere. And if you really, um, you know, about it and want to challenge yourself, I'm here for it.
3: Absolutely. You know, it's it's crazy because, of course, I have nothing but the utmost respect for mixed martial arts. That's, you know, primarily what I cover on my day in and day out. So I love it. I love boxing as well. I'm really looking forward to all the great boxing matches. I watch all the boxing matches, but there is something, you know, inherently real about Bare Knuckle where, you know, I've said this to Dave Feldman many times it's all other animal when you step in there, right? Like, because it's not boxing, it's not MMA, it's not kickboxing, it's a different art form, whole different art form. And you have to be prepared for it, right? Like, it's not. It's not easy. It, it's a really difficult sport to adapt to. We've seen a lot of people try it and fail. Uh, it is not easy. But it feels like you and Nate, again, that seems like kind of like the, 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 I know he hasn't done bare knuckle before, but it kind of seems like that's the era. That, that, the, that's the kind of guy he would come in. Like that just seems to be like the kind of challenge a Nate Diaz would want to step up to, right? Like that just seems like they, that's the kind of thing like you would talk to them and be like, yeah, I'll take that challenge. They don't seem like they would back down from a challenge like that.
2: Yeah. I mean, uh, if you're out and about with your friends, you're out at night, you're drinking, and people want to get belligerent and start a fight with you because you're Nate Diaz or Mike Perry, um, you know, you know. it's about being prepared at all times and bare knuckle because you're always bare knuckle, you know what I mean? And And that first punch you hit people with, I mean, it really changes the game. You've never seen MVP get hit like he did when he fought me. And the first shot I hit him with put him down and he showed his grit and he got back up and we had a hell of a brawl, but I made it a brawl so that I could get inside and fight him. And they gave me the win because I was, I was on his ass like white on rice all night (laughs) long. So, you know, like, like he, like you said, Damon, if you, you know, want to challenge yourself in a real fight, bare knuckle is the way to go. And, you know, we're talking big money, too. We're talking real big money. I mean, since fighting with bare knuckle and Triller, uh, my my taxes look like, um, you know, what the UFC fighters got paid the other night. All of them. Everyone <laughs> on the whole roster who got paid the other night on one card, that's what my brackets look like from from fighting a couple of fights so you know we're talking big money over here it's a real opportunity for anyone involved it's not just a shot in the dark it's not just like you know we're talking about the sport it's real fighting and it's real money so if you want to get that real shit in your life come and get some of this platinum
3: heat I love it, and I know you said, you know, you you told me, or you said after the fight with uh, with MVP, or, or coming out of the fight, your first fight, you said, you know, you weren't totally sure was bare knuckle for you. Was it really for you? You go in there, you beat Michael Venom Page, you you hit him harder, you know, you knocked him down. You had an incredible fight in his home, in his home, by the way. You had to do it in his backyard. Then you get the win. Afterwards, you said, I'm made for bare knuckle. This is my sport. I am made for this sport there's i mean we talk about the biggest fights in combat sports right now right like the biggest fights we could have in the entire world right now you think about a couple of different matchups that could happen you know john jones francis and gandu that would be a fun big fight to watch you think about you know obviously we always talk about you know anytime tyson fury boxes that's always a big deal and i know he's talking about fighting anthony josh is mike perry Nate Diaz, you know potentially the biggest fight we could have in combat sports i mean really I think so. And if you if you really love the fans, if
2: you want to pay attention to that, I think that the noise is out there for it. I think it's a big possibility that Nate Diaz wants to challenge himself against me for the fans in this sport of bare-knuckle boxing for bare-knuckle fighting championships. And who knows? We could do it in California in his backyard. And I know that that comes with a lot of, you know, his people crowding up on my people as long as nobody punches my girlfriend because you know she be at the fights and she's currently pregnant. So don't, you know, don't attack my girlfriend. Don't be trying to kill, you know, fight me. It's you versus me and you can bring your boys too. And I don't know how many of my boys will be there, but we're going to be there to fight one-on-one and, um, You know, you can play all the mental games you want to play with me. I'm one of the toughest men on the planet. And I'm just trying to give the fans what they want to see in the sport of fighting and combat. And that's Platinum Mike Perry versus
3: Nathan Diaz. Absolutely. You know, we saw this, we saw it with Nate's fight with Tony Ferguson. You know, there was no bad blood, two legends, two veterans. Nate had nothing but the respect for Tony. Tony had nothing but the respect for Nate, but what if and we just, we love seeing those kind of fights, right? We don't need trash talk. We don't need the great, listen, I know you respect Nate Diaz. You know, you said it earlier. You got a lot of respect for them, but this is one of those fights that sells itself, right? Like you don't need to trash talk Nate Diaz. We just put the marquee Mike Perry versus Nate Diaz. That's all we need to say. We don't need to say
2: anything else. You know, I think about the times when he was talking to Conor McGregor and he's like, I fight top 10 kickboxers, top 10 boxers. Like who the fuck do you play in touch? But with that dork in the park. Yeah. I mean, I felt that Nate, because I've always been trying to up my competition and training. I always have boxed with high level boxers. And um I mean, the toughest guys out here on the East coast and Florida and, and if I could work with any guys who were traveling into town, I always work with top ten mixed martial artists. I fought the top fifteen in the welterweight for the last five years in the UFC. So I'm a legitimate legitimate competitor. A lot of the fans will give me the credit. Um, so I mean, Nate, I'm calling you out, brother. I know that you just had a fight, Mate, uh, you know. I don't know if you how much time you need to heal. I just had a fight as well, but, I mean, let's do it. Let's put on a great show, and, um, I mean, you get to try the real of the real. It's like a street fight First platinum Mike Perry. I know you like to box anyway, so let's do it, man.
3: Talk about – what about this, Mike? Let me set the stage for you here. How how – you go from MVP to Nate Diaz – and then Jake Paul, would that be like the ultimate like the combo right there, right? Because I I think the Jake Paul fight, like again, you had that boxing master trailer, you won over a legitimate boxer, which I love. I loved you went out there and did that. Um, and again, I'm not taking the focus away from Nate, but could you think about that three in a row right there? MVP Nate Diaz, Jake Paul. How huge would that be? Absolutely, I I believe that. I believe
2: that that could happen, and it makes sense because if me and Nate Diaz are both trying to get this Jake Paul fight. I honestly think that we should have a fight to see who deserves that fight. If he can get past Silva and, you know, I know still, I mean, Silva after the Jake Paul fight, if he wins and stuff, you know, I'm not trying to call him out, but I mean, I just, I want the fights that I deserve and that's whoever the best is out there. That's, that's doing big things. And that's Nate Diaz and me. And, um, the winner of that should get the Jake Paul fight or or even the Anderson Silva fight. No disrespect to the 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 GOAT.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Well, Mike, I love it. I think this is a fight that makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, Nate's a free agent now. He's finally able to sign wherever he wants. He has his freedom, which is what he's wanted for the last couple of years. Now he's got it. Uh and again, I think this is, you know, the biggest fight that could be made. I mean, listen, I have all the, listen. I, I have a lot of respect for Jake Paul going out there and boxing. Even, you know, no matter what he's doing, you don't step in there and play fighting. You know what I mean? You still got to go in there and get punched for real. And Anderson Silva is as legit as they come. Uh, but I think when you talk about big fights, magnitude, all these kind of things, and money. Listen, there's money here, Mike, right? You're, like, you're not going out there and fighting for free. You're going out there and make money. You and Nate Diaz would clean up at the box office. So this is just a massive fight. I think I'd love to see it. I think the fans would love to see it. I think everybody would love to see it.
2: Absolutely. I honestly got to say that I'm you know, I don't know what he's thinking, but I hope this fight is happening. David Feldman ups the pay-per-view price from 4.99 to, you know, maybe 49.99. That would make some sense. I don't know. I think the fans would pay for it.
3: Absolutely. Well, Mike, I appreciate you jumping on with me real quick today. Uh, of course, I want to put the news out there. I want to I want to put the hype out there because I think this is a massive fight. And listen, We don't know where Nate's going. You know, Nate's free now. He's a free man. He could just, you know, do a one fight deal, come over and fight you, then go fight you know somebody else. You might Jake or KSI, or whatever he's going to do, do his thing. But this is massive. And, uh, I think it needs to happen. Let me ask you real quick before I get you out of here. Like you said, he just fought. Obviously you just fought. Like, how soon I mean, are you willing to wait? Like if it takes a few months to put this together, are you willing to wait for Nate Diaz?
1: Hey,
3: I mean, whatever I got to do. I mean, I honestly feel
2: like I could fight, uh, right now or anytime. And then, you know, I could fight again, uh, shortly after. So, but, I mean, Nate's not the type of guy to wait for a fight. I'm out here calling him out. Maybe he tried try to shut me up. And, um, I mean, I, whatever we got to do to get the fight that, that's most buzzing on the planet for the fans and for, for me, because Platinum Mike Perry is out here trying to fight. I'm out here trying to fight the best competition I can get. So whoever's willing to really you know make it all make sense and um you know Nate Diaz bro don't be scared homie I know you still got a lot of fight left in the tank and bare knuckle is just a real challenge a real opportunity for both of us so um let's give the fans what they want to see and I think it's you and me versus bare knuckle
3: I love it. Mike, thank you so much for the time. Again, congratulations on the baby on the way. Uh, Dad is man on the planet. I love it. And uh, we'll talk again soon, all right? No doubt. Make sure, Nate, make sure you hit up my people at FRM and
2: BKFC and we make this happen, bro. I know you want to do it. Let's get it.
3: Love it. Thank you, Mike. All right, bye-bye. A big thank you, of course, to Mike Perry for coming on the show and uh, calling on Nate Diaz. And I I 100% believe what I said in the interview. I think it could be a massive, massive fight. I mean, listen, Nate Diaz is a star, and he's going to draw a crowd no matter where he goes, no matter what he does. And, of course, the Jake Paul fight is going to be huge if they put it together. And that's assuming a lot of things go right, uh, or depending on how you look at it, depending on what goes wrong. I mean, if Jake Paul goes out there and gets dusted by Anderson Silva— then, uh, then you know, there's a good chance Jake Paul's going to be looking at Nate Diaz, KSI, uh, you know, you know those kind of fights. If he wins uh, and beats Anderson Silva, it'll make a whole lot of MMA people sad. But, uh, you know, then at that point, I think it's kind of onward and upward for for Jake. And not to say the Nate Diaz fight wouldn't still be huge, because it would be. But uh, I think, you know, Jake is going to want to continue answering those questions about his legitimacy And you don't necessarily answer that by only fighting MMA guys. And and listen, in terms of boxing, and I think Nate Diaz, you know, the Diaz brothers in particular have always been very strong boxers. But I think Anderson Silva is a bigger win in terms of boxing. I mean, Anderson Silva has a legitimate win over Cesar, over Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., who say what you will about the guy. He may have had a little bit of an overinflated career because of his last name or because of his name and his father, but you can't sit there and negate every single win that the Chavez junior has. You can say that maybe he was never on Canelo's level, which he lost when they fought, but I mean, come on, you can't sit here and say he's not legit. And, And for Anderson to go out and beat him. And I don't care what the card said. It was a split decision. It was not a split decision. It was a unanimous decision. I think Anderson won every round, but maybe one or two, Um, it's super impressive. So again, I like Nate Diaz, but Anderson Silva is a bigger win right now. Um, so you know Jake Paul beats Anderson Silva. I don't know that the Nate Diaz fight makes sense for him outside of just getting a big payday. Which again, I'm never gonna fault anyone for getting a big payday, but um, I think he wants to move on to bigger and bigger and better challenges, and that means professional boxers. Um, guys with real professional boxing experience, not the guy that KSI fought, that literally looked like um, a guy they found off the street, strapped on a pair of gloves, and said, oh, by the way, you have a boxing record. Uh, because that was a joke. I mean, that was an utter joke to say to that guy. No offense, but that guy was a, well, I guess I am being offensive, but that guy was not really a pro boxer. Sure, he has a couple wins on his record, but come on now. That was not real boxing Uh, And that's that's why I find it funny about, that's one thing I will say I find funny about the whole Jake Paul situation is everyone, you know, continuously complains about the lack of boxers he's facing, but dude, take five minutes and just look up the best boxers in the world and look up their early resumes. Look up Canelo Alvarez, look up Tyson Fury, look up any like really experienced boxer and look at the early part of their career and then start looking at their level of competition. I mean, some people who are considered quote-unquote boxers is the loosest definition of the word. Uh, Guys with, you know, 0 and 10 records who are clearly being brought in to just be a tomato can for an up-and-coming prospect. Um, I would wager guys like Tyron Woodley are better Than the majority of those kind of guys, even though they don't have quote unquote boxing experience, maybe not Ben Askren, but Tyron Woodley is legit and Anderson Silva is incredibly legit. So uh, I would pick Anderson Silva to beat a lot of pro boxers. Uh, And if he goes out there, if Jake Paul goes out there, beats Anderson Silva, that's a legit win. It's a real legit win. The Nate Diaz fight would still be huge, but I don't know that that's the direction that's, I wouldn't say because beating Anderson Silva and then going to Nate Diaz, it's not a step down. Because Nate Diaz is is incredible and he's a great boxer. You know, we, we know his family has history with a lot of boxing guys. They used to train Andre Ward all the time, things like that. But it's not a step up. It would at best be a lateral move, and in my opinion, maybe even a bit of a step down to go to go from beating Anderson Silva to Nate Diaz, a smaller fighter with less experience, no experience in actual boxing. Um It would be a step down in terms of in terms of. Competition would it be a step up in star power? Perhaps. I, I think Anderson Silva is a star in his own right from all the things he's done, but uh, yeah, I don't know if, Jay, if Jake beats Anderson. I, not to say the, the Nate Diaz fight can't happen, but again. At that point, Jake would have to admit that this is just a money fight. It's not a progression fight. It's not a a fight that's going to prove him being the better boxer and and legitimizing his career as a boxer because, again, at best, it's a lateral move. At worst, it's a a step down, honestly. Um, If he loses, which, you know, I think I'm leaning that way. I have a lot of faith in Anderson Silva. Um, if he loses, then Nate Diaz, KSI, Dylan Danis, all these guys can start lining up and hoping they get to cash in on the paycheck. But if he wins, might be a different story. Um, all right, let's move on to my next guest. She is headlining the upcoming UFC Fight Night card on October 1st at the UFC HPEX against Zhang, uh, excuse me, <laughs> against uh, Yan Zhangnan uh, in the main event. Uh, Great fight, of course. Mackenzie Dern, uh, one of the best grapplers in the sport and one of the top strawweights in the sport. So we're going to talk to her about her return to action. Also getting back to her grappling roots a little bit uh, after, you know, kind of falling in love with uh, throwing her hands and training with a great coach in Jason Perillo. Uh, We're also going to talk about uh, who she considers. The best grappler in mixed martial arts, because when it comes to accolades, uh, there's few as decorated as Mackenzie Dern. So I was curious to kind of pick her brain on who is the best grappler in all of mixed martial arts. So uh, right now, let's talk to uh, the, the the woman who will headline the UFC fight night card on October 1st.
0: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity
3: She is one of the top strawweight fighters in the world, and she returns for a main event coming up on October 1st against Yan Zhao Nan. I am always happy to speak to Mackenzie Dern. Mackenzie, how are you?
4: I'm doing good.
3: I'm excited.
4: A fight coming up, but yeah, training hard and feeling good.
3: Absolutely. Mackenzie, I always appreciate the time. Of course, last time we spoke was before your last win. A big win over Tisha Torres got you back in the win column. Uh we all know how good Tisha Torres is, and you went out there and beat her and got back, uh, you know, got back in the win column. How how happy were you with that performance? I know, you know, fighters are their own worst critics, so I know that like there's always gonna be criticism, but like it was a it was a good win over a really tough opponent. Yeah, I know. Tisha she's
4: she's a hard opponent, you know, she's very experienced. She's fought all the best of the best, you know, from Zhang Lee, Rose, uh, Jessica Andrade. She's fought all the top girls, you know. So she's kind of like, man, and almost all the fights have been like, or split decision or by decision, like very close. She just has good movement, you know. So it was definitely a really important fight for me to get back on the winning streak, um, but also to just kind of to feel like, okay, uh, I can hang with, you know, the best of the best. So. Um, it was like kind of to keep my place in the top five. Um, and, you know, it was just, it was a good fight. You know, it was back on pay-per-view, like with a crowd. I had done like five fights in Apex. So it was good to be back in front of a crowd, have that adrenaline, um, good vibes, you know, with all everyone cheering. But yeah, it was important. It was an important fight for me. I wasn't going in there thinking it was going to be the most technical just because I know she moves a lot, you know? So I wasn't thinking like, okay, we're going to be exchanging with each other uh i'm going to be showing my striking in this fight i know it's like okay i just need to try and get to her catch her and keep her down
3: yeah it was it was a quality win it was a good win and then i know coming out of that you know we've had so much kind of uncertainty in the strawweight division of course you know we saw you know Carlos Barz becomes champion again let's be honest mckenzie wasn't the greatest fight in the world i don't think anyone's going to tell you that it was but then we're dealing with a lot of uncertainty at that point, because, of course, Zhang Weili goes out and knocks out Ioana Jay Jake Yoana retires, which I don't think a lot of people saw coming at that moment. She retires. You know, Carla was injured. We're not sure what's going on there. You know, is Zhang Weili going to get the shot? Are they going to go to Marina Rodriguez? All these different questions. You end up with Yan Xiaonan. Now, I don't want to downgrade Yan Xiaonan because she's an incredible opponent, but it was like I thought there were there were a lot of options. Like there were a lot of options out there for you. Were you was there any point where you're getting I won't say frustrated, but like, come on, let's go because like there was a lot of uncertainty for like basically the, almost the whole summer until we finally started getting these fights get announced.
4: Yeah, I mean for me, Yan Shanan was the most like the fight that made the most sense, you know, at this moment because me and her we both lost to uh, Marina, uh, so it's kind of like but it was kind of like on hold a little bit. I've never been kind of so much waiting, but I mean, that's, you know, you, you can't have everything, you know, everything um, all the way you want it to be, you know, like, okay, you're high in the rank, but the fights aren't, you know, there's not that many options, you know, and when you're back on the rankings, you have fights, you know, you can basically fight every weekend if you want to, you know? So, I mean, everything has their pros and cons. So, I mean, being in the top, you know, the top five, definitely – you're kind of like a little bit on hold. I wasn't used to it, but it was good. You know, I was able to take advantage. I was training. We had, um, Cheeto in a camp. We had Luke Rock in camp. So it was just kind of like getting the camp with the boys, um, and training kind of no pressure, you know, it was good for me to take my mind off, like always fighting, training for somebody, training for someone. I was like, no, um keeping that, that rhythm, you know, that my, this is probably my longest camp I've ever had, you know, and I'm feeling better than ever. So, Everything happens for a reason. Uh, I was definitely excited to see what was going to happen in the division. You know, like, okay, who is is Carla and um, is Carla and Jongwee Lee going to do it? You know, they were talking about the interim belt It'll, for a little bit. Maybe there'll be an interim belt. You know, so I was ready. I was ready for whatever whatever would come. But for me, it made the most sense, me and Yan Shannan.
3: Yeah, I need to stop matchmaking for you, Mackenzie, because after your win before the Marina Rodriguez fight, I said – Mackenzie and Joanna would be a great fight. Joanna was coming back. We you know, we heard she's coming back. I was like, "Man, that would be a really fun fight." And I think it's a great fight. You end up getting Marina and then coming out of the Tisha Torres fight. I was like, "You know what? You and Rose Nami Yunus would be yeah. a really fun fight. Like that would be a really exciting, like really fun fight." Then you get Yanj on So, I'm going to stop matchmaking for you because I think I'm uh, screwing uh, things up for you, Mackenzie, because every time I suggest a fight, it goes another <laughs> direction. So, I'm going to stop uh, suggesting fights for you. Yeah, no. I mean,
4: definitely rose was an option um young China was an option Zhang Lee was an option they definitely talked about they even talked about like jessica and drudge for a little bit but yeah i mean there's just so many options but then at the same time it's like okay what made the most sense who was ready who was um, going to be prepared in time you know just trying to fight it. this it's it's normal i mean they have it with the guys division and the girls so that's
3: part of it. Yeah. Now you've, you're booked, you know, your fight is coming up relatively quickly, which is why we're talking. I didn't realize, like, technically, like, it's actually only a matter of weeks away at this point. Um. So you've now 100% focused on Yan Zhan you, you know, in the old days of the UFC, when when Joe Silva was around, you know, we always got used to certain matchups being made. Like, it was always a a winner facing a winner. You come off a win, you face another fighter coming off a win. Now, we don't see that as much now, but Yan Janan is technically off two losses. Now, I'll be honest. I think I actually scored her beating Marina Rodriguez. It was a really close fight. She got the wrong end of the decision. If I remember correctly, I didn't go back and rewatch it, but I'm pretty sure I actually scored that fight for her. But it was a really close fight. Of course, she had the loss to Carlos Barza. She is close to you in the rankings, but she is off two losses. So I'm not downgrading her in any way, shape, or form, but was there any kind of like in the back of your head saying, man, I wish I had gotten like a Rose or somebody like in that ranking, even though Rose is coming off a loss. But of course, Rose is a former champion. Uh, or were you okay with the now? Like when you got the name, were you just like, okay, I get it.
4: Yeah, no, I was, I was, I was happy with the, the, the fight, you know, I didn't want to fight someone too far in the ranking. So for me, she's number five. I'm number four. That's, that's what I mean. I just do I want to be active, you know? So for me, I don't want to be like, you know, 10 months waiting, you know, seeing if Rosa would want to fight at short or not, what she's going to do, um, seeing if Carla's going to fight or not, you know? So, um, for me, me and Young China, that fight has kind of been talked about for a while, even before Marina, even before I fought Marina. And it just didn't, ended up not happening. She ended up fighting Carla, I ended up fighting Marina. We both came up for loss, you know. Um, and then she fought Marina and I fought Tisha. So, I mean, this was a fight that I knew was going to happen sooner or later. And yeah, I mean, I, I wanted this fight. You know, it wasn't a fight that I didn't want, it was a fight that I wanted. Um, so, yeah, I'm ex- I was excited when they offered it to me. And that, I mean, the most important for me was uh, like main event. <laughs> I was like, or in crowd or main event, you know, give me one of those.
3: Yeah, main event. I mean, no matter how, no matter who you're fighting, when you get a main event, when a, an event is being built around you, that's a good place to be, right?
4: Yeah, for sure. I mean, my first ever main event I lost was to Marina. So I'm definitely like, oh, I need to get that back. You know, I need to get that win. Um, I need to just make up for it, you know, so kind of like that superstitious. I want to get it out of the way um really just show like hey i can win even yeah. on the main event with all the attention and
3: all that stuff yeah absolutely now i don't tend to get into like game planning and strategy because i think it's kind of ridiculous like hey let me tell you how you're going to fight your opponent but yeah john nan is well known as a striker i don't think it's a giant secret that's what she does well and the one fight she lost kind of in a lopsided manner in the ufc was the loss of carla spars so carla took her down and that was the fight that got carla the title shot now everyone's a mixed martial artist you have you have you have become quite an incredible striker in recently Work with jason perillo the work you're doing like you've got hands like no one can say you're a jiu-jitsu <laughs> fighter anymore Mackenzie. you got hands but when you look at Yan nan just on the very like upper level of it do you look at that carla Sparza fight and like kind of like you know kind of smile a little bit thinking well wow, this goes to the ground it's probably going to be bad for her
4: yeah for sure <laughs> i mean definitely i mean like you said she's coming off with two losses so I mean, I don't know if she's going to move her strategy, change her strategy, her style a little bit, because she's a little bit more forward. She's more aggressive striker. She's not like, Tisha's kind of like, hit and move, hit and move. Marina's kind of like staying on the outside. You know, Yashana is more like exchange, exchange, be in the pocket, you know, and stay there. So um, I think that was a big, reason why she got taken down obviously Carla too she I mean her timing for takedowns there I'm nothing compared to Carla on my takedowns you know my takedowns are kind of like full guard you know so um but if if you yeah, Shannon if she's aggressive the way she is with with Carla um I think that's better for me you know so for sure the idea is to take it to the ground you know even though I'm more comfortable standing up I don't want to stay like five rounds you know exchanging with someone who's been doing striking their whole life you know but um and i want to get i want to get out i want to win get a good performance you know hopefully like a bonus um no injuries (laughs) the goal is like you know of course that's part of the game but as least injured possible submit and be training back training and see what comes after that you know so i definitely see this fight good for me taking it to the ground getting submission i had like two good um with marina and tisha i got in good positions to submit the fight with both of them you know like marina i'm like omoplata and on her back and i didn't finish the position and with tisha i had like kimura and leg lock and i didn't finish you know what i mean so definitely even with a loss on the win i'm learning something like i'm like okay i need to get my timing better you know like i think i lost a little bit my my adjustment you know my like i'm not as tight and on my timing to submission um, which is my strength. So I mean, these are positions that if I get to these positions on Ma or the you know Kimura, I shouldn't be losing it, you know, or I shouldn't be not submitting, you know. I can't let it okay start back up again. So definitely, I've been training a lot in my jiu jitsu for this fight um, to get the win. You know, I want to get the win by submission, so uh, that's the goal for sure.
3: Is there? It's it's funny you say that. I was talking to a fighter recently who was a wrestler, and you know, he was talking about like you know when you go into mixed martial arts as a wrestler you got to learn the other things. You got to learn how to strike. You got to learn how to box. You got to learn the jujitsu. You got to learn that thing. And he's like, I kind of went away. I, I got away from my wrestling so much that even though I always knew I had it, I always had my wrestling in my back pocket. I kind of wasn't as good. I had to go back to my wrestling. I had to like kind of retool myself a little bit. Was that a little bit for you or jujitsu? Cause you are, it's naturally ingrained in you. You've been training jujitsu your entire life. I, I, I said, Zhao now going to get to the ground with you is a bad idea. Let's be honest, Mackenzie, anyone going to the ground with you is a bad idea. But like, was that a reality? Like when you had those kind of positions and you didn't get the submissions, like you're like, you know, jujitsu, you know it better than pretty much anybody else that you're going to fight, but that you had to like sharpen the knife a little bit.
4: Yeah, exactly. You know? And it's like, you kind of, it's like a little bit, um, like false confidence, you know, you think like, okay, if I'll get it there, you know i'll submit them you know and i got to all these positions and then all of a sudden, like they're resisting you know and made like back when we're in the 15 and the rank or not even ranked you know okay the girls like tap a little bit easier you know not all the girls of course but then i'm like oh wait now the top five it's different you know these girls aren't gonna tap just because they're like you know scared of you know the submission or you know just because i'm te- i'm they're they're tough you know they're like these are the best of the best you know we're not you know we're not playing here we're you know they're, they're these are former champions the champ you know they're not going to just tap because you know they're feeling pressure so it's like i feel like i don't know with tisha for example like i'm on the kimura and i'm like doing it 90 98 percent of the people would tap you know and it's you know you have to be a little bit mean like okay just rip it <laughs> you know what i mean it's like okay you know Maybe they'll tear their shoulder, you know, have to have surgery or something like that. You know, and that's, of course, that's not my goal. But, you know, we're all adults here. We're all like, they're going to probably try and hurt me. You know what I mean? So it's like just getting that ingrained and remember like, okay, I need to do it. You know, (laughs) I need to just, you know, I'm not going to be like technical, like, okay, technical to get the position, but I'm not going to like okay, give her a chance to tap no, you need to just go, you know, she's resisting, she's resisting, you know, she knows that she's in a bad position, you know what I mean, and these are things that I'm thinking about during the fight, like, okay, pretty soon she's going to tap, pretty soon she's going to tap, oh, sure, she's not tapping, like, man, she's resisting, you know, it's like, yeah, because these girls are tough, you know, they're not going to just give up a, a loss for nothing, you know, so I'm like, okay, I'll get to the next position, I'll get them in the toe, toe hold. okay, I'll get it, and then all of a sudden the time's over, the round's over, like, oh, man, like, what I do, you know, so it's just that. that timing that really like working on the other things you know my striking closing the distance and then I'm kind of like I lost that that little that that timing you know to get the submission and not let it get away you know so definitely I've been working on that for this fight um I guess like being a little bit more meaner and just know that like hey we all signed up for this and now we're on a different level now so um yeah I'm excited (laughs)
3: I remember a year, like when I first started training Jiu Jitsu years ago, I remember I wanted to be tough. I got caught in an arm bar and I wanted to be tough and I wouldn't tap. I, I was fighting, 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 trying to get out of it. And I ended up hyperextending my elbow really badly. And I realized at that moment, like, it's okay to tap. It's okay to like, just be done in that moment. But it, like, that's the reality though. Like, like you have to be willing. Cause some people are willing to like, let their bones break. They're willing to let their shoulder get ripped out. They're willing to let their knee get shredded and I've seen it with like, uh, heel hooks and stuff like those are the nastiest things when you get like an inverted heel hook, if they don't tap, that's on them. You know what I mean? So like, yeah. if you have to, if you have to go home with your opponent's shoulder, you have to go home with their arm. Unfortunately that you know, you're a great sport, but that's the nature of the <laughs> business. Yes. Yes,
4: exactly. A hundred percent, you know? And not that like, Oh, Oh, I was being nice. No, it's not necessary that you know but it's just you know you have that small sense of confidence like oh if he gets to the ground i'll be able to submit you know you even like change position change position i went from like kimura to toehold to leg locks you know and then when you see it okay the time's over you're like oh man i did i did so much and i didn't do anything <laughs> i didn't do anything you know what i mean and it's like okay for sure maybe they get tired you know from fighting that i definitely don't me at the ground i don't get as tired as strikers on the ground you know um but still i can't be losing those positions you know i mean I, I should be finishing the fight there
3: yeah so what you're telling me is is you're going to go back home with yan Nan's arm in your backpack is what yeah. you're telling me right now right like that's the story you're telling me is that true
4: yeah i mean whatever whatever she gives me <laughs> <laughs> neck, the neck foot leg arm i don't know we'll see yeah Hopefully now, she stops, I- <laughs>
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, I know when I when you know, you when people ask your opinion about different things going on in the division and and right now it's important because you are so close to where you are in the top 5, where you are knocking on the door of uh, title contention. I am curious your opinion, McKenzie, because when I talked to Carla Esparza after she won she told me, she's like, I think Marina Rodriguez is the most deserving in the division. And and at that point, Dana White had already said, you know, you know Zhang Weili is going to get the title shot. We still don't know until the contracts are signed, but we know it's been announced now it's going to be Zhang Weili. As a person who fought Marina and, and that seemed like a natural, like kind of number one contenders fight at that point. Um, in your opinion, I know the fight's made, so you know, I'm not trying to get you to take shots at Zhang Wei Li. But did the UFC make the right call? Like, do you believe Marina should be? because, like, she's obviously already got another fight booked? Like, in a way, I kind of feel bad for her because she's on a great streak, and you know, Zhang Wei Li's only one one now. Grant is a great win over Ioanna and J Check, but I don't know. Like, I kind of feel bad for Marina in this moment. Um, I mean, honestly, I thought that I thought
4: that Zhang Wei Li should have fought for Carla. <laughs> I mean, I feel like they should fight because, I mean, Marina already lost to Carla, so I don't know. I mean, I feel like... not. I don't think that Marina needs to prove anything more to go to the title, but I think Zhang Weili being the ex-champion and she's never fought Carla before, that makes more sense for me right now and then Marina being next in line, you know? So I mean, I was surprised to see Marina accepted the fight with Amanda Lamos. That's like, I think, number 10 maybe in the ranking. Um, But I mean... For sure, like, if she wins this fight, I think she should have been to the winner of Zhang Weili and Carla no matter what, you know? So, uh, for sure, if she wins, I don't see anyone to be in front of her. Uh, If she loses, then that's like, man, that was a risk, you know what I mean? A little bit risky, I thought. But, uh, I mean, for me, Carla and Zhang, we- Zhang, we- Zhang Weili made sense, you know? Zhang Weili is a ex-champion. And, uh, I mean, Carla already beat. Marina, Marina. Before you know, so like to see a rematch. I think it was a little bit more exciting. Zhang Weili and Carla.
3: Can I ask your opinion on that fight between Zhang and Carla? Because I think a lot of people have kind of already anointed Zhang as the new champion, and I get it. Zhang Weili is a monster. I mean, she is really, really good. And you know, the only kind of flaw she's shown in her game were the two fights with Rose. And the second fight was really close. Um, do you lean one way or the other? Because I think Carla's gonna end up being a as champion. Carla's actually gonna be a pretty big underdog in this fight.
4: Yeah, for sure. I mean, man, I feel like just being surprised, <laughs> surprised by the last fights, you know, of Carla. Um, not that she's bad, but it's like, man, she has her game, the wrestling, and she's just so good at her timing, and it's like she can put it with like no matter if she fights a jiu girl or a uh, uh, striker. Uh, you know what I mean. She can just put her game with any type of person. You know, she's like just mature as a fighter, experience So I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Carla takes Zhang Weili down and is able to like kind of ground and pound and hold her down there, uh, for all the rounds. Because <laughs> I, from what I saw with the fight with Carlos, uh, with Zhang Weili and Rose, when they had some takedowns, was in New York. Um, I saw some like openings there you know the ground game for both of them the wrestling you know i think that carla can do enough to get the takedown um and kind of just control her there you know what i mean if she can do that for five rounds i don't know (laughs) but i mean i won't be surprised if carla gets this upset
3: yeah, it, it will be interesting to see. I know that's a fight we talked about a long time ago. They they actually tried to make you and Carl at one point. It didn't happen. I would still love to see that down the road somewhere because that's the one thing. Like, you know, you 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 like we know how good you are as a grappler, how incredible you are as a grappler. I like that wrestler grappler matchup. That'd be interesting because again, it forces both of you out of your comfort zones a little bit. But I always loved I I love when we see those kind of great grappler exchanges because like I remember back in the day, you probably remember this fight. Uh, when Damian Maia fought Jake Shields back in the day, and they had some of the wildest exchanges on the ground, one of my favorite fights. They just were scrambling all over the place. I love those kind of fights.
4: Yeah, yeah. But honestly, I, mean, I think if I was to fight Carla, it would probably end up be striking. <laughs> it would probably end up be striking. You know when you see, like, when they both just, like, you know, take each other's game off, you know? I feel like we would end up be striking each other. But we'll see. If Devon for sure she would want to take to the ground, I would – like to be on the ground and play on the ground you know but if she I mean because with Rose I, I don't feel like neither of them did too much you know what I mean so I thought that she was gonna be taking Rose down a little bit more um and I also thought that Rose was gonna be striking a little bit more with her but you never know it's crazy the fight game and we just saw like Leon Edwards with a for 50 seconds left of the fight knock out Kamara so it's like
3: you really don't know <laughs> Yeah. Now I'm going to put you on the spot here, McKenzie, because we talk a lot about your grappling pedigree and, and in terms of your accomplishments in the grappling world and what you're doing in mixed martial arts, I think, in my opinion right now, you are the top grappler in mixed martial arts, right? Like in terms of the UFC right now, like in terms of where we're at. And the reason I'm asking this question is we've seen a bit of a changing of the guard. You know, Jacare is retired. Jacare, of course, legend. I mean, no, you know, legend. Damian Maya, same thing. Legend, legendary grappler, legendary fighter, and all those kind of things. Taking yourself out of the equation right now, because, of course, you've accomplished so many things in jiu-jitsu and now what you're doing in the UFC. I'm curious your opinion, McKenzie. Who do you believe in the sport right now is the top grappler in mixed martial arts? Because we used to always say it was Jacare. We used to always say it was Damian Maya. In the UFC, I guess it's, let me say UFC. Let me let me drill it down there because we could talk about Marcus Buchecha over in Pro over in one different things like that. There's different jiu-jitsu. in the UFC. You take yourself out of the equation right now. Who is the top grappler? Do you believe in in mixed martial arts right now in the UFC? I'm curious.
4: Man, it's a hard, it's a hard, um, <clears throat> it's a hard question because it's like okay, in my opinion, the best jujitsu guy in person in the UFC is Charles DuBron, You know, but because of his jiu-jitsu in MMA, you know, because in jiu-jitsu, he wasn't, like, black belt world champion or ADCC champion or anything like that, you know? So it wasn't, like, in the jiu-jitsu world, he is the most, you know, famous guy in jiu-jitsu. But his jiu-jitsu in MMA, for me, he has the best jiu-jitsu in MMA, you know, the most submissions, the most, like, aggressive, the most knows how to play on his back, knows how to play on his top, you know? Um, So if you want to know the best jiu-jitsu in MMA, Charles de for um, the best like jiu jitsu athlete that is in him in UFC now, um, let's see, <laughs> man, that's hard. I think Durinho, Durinho for sure, Durinho yeah. Gilbert Burns. Yeah, he he has the most like his jiu jitsu game when we were in the jiu jitsu world, you know, jiu jitsu community when we were competing both in jiu jitsu. Like people stopped to watch him fight. You know, world champion ADCC crazy and he's able to like do that in MMA you know strike jujitsu guy striking you know he goes in and he's not scared you know of getting punched um, and he has his takedowns everything so definitely for, I think the best like most high level jiu-jitsu guy in MMA now Durinho but the best like jiu-jitsu for MMA the uh, Bronx.
3: Charles is so ridiculous with how good he is, his transitions and the way he applies his jiu-jitsu, both, as you mentioned, on top and in the bottom. You look at the fight with Dustin Poirier on top. He spent a lot of time on top there. And then you look at, like, the Justin Gaethje fight where, like, he kept inviting Justin down to his guard and Justin wanted no part of it. But you make one mistake against that guy and he will make you pay, and he does. His his jiu-jitsu for MMA is ridiculous. The way he climbs on people, gets on their backs... I mean, he is, I like, I just, I love watching that guy. And I've, I've always loved watching Charles, but the run he's on right now is unreal.
4: Yeah, no, he's definitely, like, matured as a fighter. I mean, he's been, what, almost 10 years in the UFC, I think. So it's like, man, you can definitely tell uh, he's really, like, hit this maturity as a fighter, um, like, intelligent, confident, um, strategic, just everything, it's all kind of connected now. It's like he's gone to the black belt, of mma you know what I mean and so it's like you know always as we're going up in the belts white belt blue belt purple belt sometimes we're really good at guard game and then we start to work on our passing game like maybe a purple belt so we're working on passing game and then the brown belt we're working a lot of our submissions and then by the time we're black belt we kind of were able to you know be good at everything you know and I feel like that's really where he's good I, I don't see him losing the belt for a while
3: can you can you take inspiration from that in terms of like your own style because you do have a grappling base, but you have developed as I mentioned working with Coach Jason Perillo, worked on your hands. We've seen you, you know, knock people down with your hands. We've seen your boxing improve, and now you know you're no longer. As I said, we can no longer call you a jiu-jitsu mm-hmm. fighter. You are a true mixed martial artist. Now, of course, you have you know a deadly ground game but you can no longer just be called a jiu-jitsu fighter do you take can you take inspiration from a guy like charles and look at him and Uh, see the things he's doing and say wow i you know that's like something you can aspire to in a way
4: a hundred percent a hundred percent from his records to just like okay staying calm you know not feel like pressure that i need to i need to be a hundred percent developed in what four years in the ufc four or five years in the ufc it's like You know, like I said, he's ten years till he got to this point. But it's like now that he's there, he's the best in the world, and you know, there's no, there's no doubt about it. You know, so it's like just even his story, his his journey that he did. It definitely is inspiring, inspiring for me. Like, okay, you take, be calm. You know, take your time. You know, each fight. You know, each fight learn and it's experience. You know, strategic wise, be smart. You know, I see like sometimes Charles he kind of gets rocked a little bit, and he post guard you know <laughs> that's something that like i i'm learning to like okay play smart you know what i mean okay if i get rocked don't like try and stay standing up and give it back you know like okay you can pull guard you know what i mean like kind of pull guard like okay see if they come into your garden and something like that you know all that's time and experience that you get so definitely 100 I, i'm i can connect and be inspired by Charles bronx
3: yeah, it's funny you say that because I remember I know we've had this conversation before, Mackenzie, when you first came into UFC and you were first coming in from grappling and MMA. And everyone, you know, wants to immediately say, "Well, you're the next this, you're this." You know, everyone's saying you're the next Ronda Rousey because you were the grappler coming in and you had all these, you know, all this hype around you. It takes time. It takes time, well, like, you know what I mean? Like you are now like you are legitimately a top 5 fighter in the world and i believe and i'm saying this and i'm not saying this cuz we're doing this interview i'll say it publicly i'll say it well, i truly believe in my heart hearts you will be a ufc champion one day it may not oh, be tomorrow okay. it may not be a year from now it may be 2 years from now but like it yeah. takes time like this is this is a marathon not a sprint and charles oliveira is a perfect example of that cuz there was a time a few years ago people would have written him off you know people would <laughs> say he's you know he's 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 good but he'll never be a champion he's not going to be that guy Yep. it takes time and like i said you had that pressure on you since day one i mean you you didn't even have a fight yet and people are saying you're gonna be this and that and that and you like you weren't saying it everyone else was saying it for you but like i said yeah. now you're growing now you are legitimately a top five fight fighter you are a legitimate threat to the title you see like it does take time
4: yeah exactly you know and like you said yeah i've been like i've been feeling that since like the beginning you know like oh man if if you fall into it you know what I mean if you fall into that whole process because the UFC you know they that's what they need you know they need you know up-and-comers they need like the next big star they need you know all that's good for the UFC too you know what I mean the people like to see who's in the up-and-comer fighter who's gonna go and take take out the, the the champions so it's like man if you fall into that that vibe and you know and almost go up really fast you know it can be hard, you know what I mean? You can fall under pressure or something like that, you know? So it's really just, you know, take your time, um, you know, make the right decisions, take each fight as you go, you know, like learn as much as you can, No, not too much pressure. Like, man, okay, if, it's it's hard because with the UFC, you know, like a lot of the UFC fans, like if you have a loss, that's like so bad for your record, you know? But in at least in the Jitsu world, we can have like, You know, you have like thousands of fights, you know what I mean? So we can have like 100 losses and have a 1,000 wins, and it's not a problem,
3: you know? Yeah. You've always seemed very grounded, though. You've never seemed like you've let it get to your head. Like I know even – like I remember we did our first interview. You have no memory of this. I remember we did our first interview. (laughs) I think you were making your debut or maybe you had one fight at that point. And like, I'm guilty of it too. Like, I was like, oh, there's so much hype, you know, so excited about you coming into sport. You've never, you've never seemed to like really like, you appreciate the compliments. I know you do, but like, you've never seemed to let it get to your head. You've never seemed like, a, like that's fed into your ego. And I imagine that's a lot of your upbringing. Of course, your dad's incredible, you know, jujitsu. Like, it seems like you've always stayed grounded. You've never allowed that to get to your head, good or bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean,
4: I think definitely like the jiu-jitsu industry, you know, like the jiu-jitsu community, you know, like I said, I can be in the same tournament. I can lose my weight division and then go and win the absolute on the same day. You know what I mean? And it beat the same person who just beat me in my division. So the wins and losses, it's very like, you know, and, and even my whole jiu-jitsu journey was kind of similar. You know, I was like always the up and comer, like everyone talked about me. Then I had like a couple of surgeries, ACL surgeries, as soon as I got to black belt, you know, so I was doing good. Like podium and stuff but i wasn't getting the wins that everyone was expecting of me and then as soon as i started to get kind of mature as a fighter as a black belt um then it was just i was able to like go on a roll and win and i really was able to find my place you know so i kind of felt like that's what's what's going to happen to me um in in mma but i mean i'm not gonna say it didn't follow it for sure like before i got pregnant I was definitely fighting kind of like a little bit rebellious time you know a lot of like you know everyone talking about you you know you're making money and all these things I was parting a lot <laughs> but I mean I was a I was I've been training my whole life you know so I definitely I think I took a little bit a little bit of time to I don't know to kind of like enjoy life a little bit enjoy life as in I lost focus you know a little bit and was just like, man, everyone's talking about me, all the same, all this stuff. And I'm like partying and, you know, after the fights and stuff like that. So, I mean, it wasn't as if, I mean, I didn't even think I was going to be a champion. I People were seeing that in me before I even saw it myself. So it wasn't that I fell into, oh, yeah, I mean, they're going to the next- of my my story you know so i'm not like ashamed of it or anything
3: like that yeah well i know you've talked honestly about like how much your life has changed since you became a mom like how you know you're in we've seen it like i feel like in a way we are seeing mckenzie during 2.0 right now like there's mckenzie before you're a mom and now mckenzie has a mom and i feel like we're in a different phase of your career now like in a way you know
4: yeah for sure and it's so awesome like to be able to have the fans and how they can follow me and kind of they the fans are literally watching like me as a fighter you know what i mean they watch me from like when i was so raw as an mma fighter just like putting my head down and okay i had a lot of heart and stuff but i'm just kind of like doing whatever you know um and like they're seeing like even my different faces from when i was at the lab to when i was at black house to now that i'm at you know ruka with coach perillo so it's like like this is it this is exciting for me i feel like man this is so cool to see like the fans are watching me grow. And I feel like when I become the champion, um, you know, it's not going to just be like my victory, you know, it's not going to just be like my accomplishment, you know, it's going to be like our accomplishment, you know, everyone who's like followed me, everyone's who's kind of like seen my process, seen the hard work, seen the, the ups and the downs and like, kind of believed in my, my, my journey.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Real quick before I let you go, Mackenzie, I saw an interview you did. I think it was really this summer. You were talking about your daughter, your daughter's doing jujitsu now. Is that right?
4: Yeah, yeah. I mean, she was already doing jiu jitsu at home. Um, but yeah, now we let her we let her go and train with the other kids. So we kinda like, okay, now you're ready, go in, go in and enjoy it with some of the kids, you know, because at home she like wants to beat up on mom, you know. <laughs> so now she has other little kids. Kids that will, you know, have the same strength as her and like I'm kind of letting her see what she needs to work on, what she doesn't work on. And then at home I'm like, okay, do this, do that, do
3: this. <laughs> now, how, is that, yeah, how, how is that in terms of stress? Because I know like funny you mentioned Dorino Gilbert Burns. I know he teaches his his kids jujitsu and like he's a, he teaches kids at, at his gym as well. But I mean it's it's probably like a whole different feeling watching your daughter like do jujitsu, right? Like it's a whole like now you know what your dad went through probably.
4: Oh yeah, for sure. I mean it's hard because you don't want to like pressure them, you know, you don't want it has to be like something that they want to do you know and she definitely wants to do it but um you know i mean there's some days that like she's tired she didn't have a nap you know and she's kind of like ah, i don't want to go i don't want to do this you know so it's like very you know you have to like find the right spot as in like pushing them um and like pressuring too much you know but it's definitely like for sure i feel like my heart like oh this is so good um she was liking to do like a lot of striking you know and i'm like no jiu-jitsu jiu-jitsu like i wanted to bring her to the jiu-jitsu side um, but yeah, I mean, even at like at the school, it's kind of hard because she's kind of starting to do Jiu on the kids at school and you're kind of have to like, oh, no, just do Jiu Jitsu at Jiu class, you know, <laughs> not with the kids at school. So, but it's, it's not part of the process. She's just playing, you know, it's nothing like crazy, but man, that's what she grew up with, you know, watching mom, like fight all the time. So
3: <laughs> yeah. Passing it down. It's part of the family. I mean, it's the family tree literally now from dad to, to you now to her.
4: Yep, exactly. <laughs> well, and it's I'm- crazy because she sees a lot of like my I have like a samurai sword that I won from a competition, um, my belts, my trophies. And she sees it and she says like, Oh, when I'm a black belt, I'm going to get one of those too, you know? And she'll say that all the time. I'm like, yeah, when you get a black belt, but you have to train, you know?
3: Oh man, that's gotta, that's gotta melt your heart as a mom. When you hear that, when she's like, I want to do that. I want to get that like you, mom, like that's got to just melt your heart right there.
4: Yeah, yeah,
3: for sure. <laughs> well, uh, Mackenzie, it is always a pleasure to catch up with you. I really do appreciate the time. Obviously, have a great rest of your training camp. Uh, safe travels out to the fight. Cannot wait to see you back in action October 1st. And thank you, as always, for the time. I really do mean it. I appreciate it.
4: Yeah, thank you. It's great to talk to you. And let's do it, October
3: 1st. Woo. Talk to you soon, okay? Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Want to say a big thank you, of course, to Mackenzie Dern for coming on the show. She has her big fight coming up against Yan Zhao Nan on October first. Pivotal fight in that strawweight division. Of course, we know Carla Barza is going to take on Zhang Wei Li uh, as part of the upcoming UFC two eighty one card in Madison Square Garden, New York. Israel Adesanya taking on Alex Paheya in the main event, and uh, Michael Chandler against Dustin Poirier. Oh, I wish it was five rounds though. That's my only my only caveat to that which was a five-round fight although who knows maybe they won't go five rounds I mean Justin Justin Gaethje and Michael Chandler put on a show in three rounds so I assume Michael Chandler and Dustin Poirier will do the same thing but it's an embarrassment of riches November's great the new no- November pay-per-view is incredible and then of course October UFC 280 uh, Charles Oliveira Isla Makachev uh Aljamain Sterling TJ Dillashaw Peter Yan, Sean O'Malley Benil Dariush uh, Matush Gamrot, it's just an embarrassment of riches the next couple pay-per-views. We still have December to come, which uh, I know there's a lot of talk. We we reported, of course, Yuri Prohoshka and Glover Teixeira is targeted for that card. As far as I know, it's still not official. Um, I know that's the date Yuri wants, and by extension, that's the date Glover will be happy to take. Um, but it just seems like a matter of timing, and also the UFC is planning their return to Brazil in January Uh, losing a guy like Jose Aldo who could have easily headlined or been one of the main marquee fights on that card probably hurts a little bit. You got Amanda Nunes out there as a Brazilian champion who could, you know, potentially headline a card uh, or potentially, you know, help lead a card. But I don't know that her against, you know, Irene Aldana or, uh, Ketlin Vieira is going to necessarily bring a lot to the box office. If I'm being honest. So, You know, they got a headline that was something. So I know that was the original talk was Glover and Yuri fighting in January. Uh, But, uh, you know, Yuri as the new champion, I don't know that he really wants to go all the way to Brazil to Glover's backyard for a fight. Um, But, you know, we know the UFC can uh, can convince people, let's say to take the fights and the dates that they want. So we'll see what happens with that one. Um, But yeah, lots and lots coming up. And we got a lot of interviews coming up on the show in the next few weeks. So stay tuned for that. I want to say a big thank you to everyone that tunes in each and every week to the fighter versus the writer. We will be back with more next week. And make sure you check us out on all your favorite podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and of course, over on the greatest website in the world, MMAfighting.com. A big thank you to always, uh, a big thank you as always for everyone that tunes in each and every week to the show. We'll see you next week for another edition of the Fighter versus the Writer. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you then.